Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. Here we are in another quality episode of The Dork Forest. You know the credits. Mike Rickberg composed The Dork Forest theme song, just sang it with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen. He'll sing again at the end, Mexican Hat Dance, lyrics he made up. Uh, Patrick Brady fixes this audio. Good, good for him. Very pleased about that, of course. And Vilmosh, uh, does my website. So if you need a web- website, check the notes. I think it's called hiredguncoding.com. And He'll do your website if you want him to, and it's great. Those are the credits. Uh, it is November. Don't donate to the Dork Forest this month. Uh, donate to a food bank. Find a food bank and get someone a turkey leg. Yeah, what the heck. And uh, donate uh, in January. That'll be great. But now uh, Google the name of your town and the words food bank. And uh, that should be of some value to someone who needs a turkey leg. So thanks a lot, though, for supporting the show. If you want to buy a T-shirt, we have Dork Forest T-shirts and Ranger of the Dork Forest T-shirts over at JackieCation.com in the merch uh, area, in the store. You can get any of my CDs. You can get all of them as a as a trinket, as a sale. And uh, you can get a DVD. You, the new CD and DVD is called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux because my soul is in it. You can go to allthingscomedy.com slash Jackie Cation and just buy it for a $5 download if you like. That'd be fun. And oh, I I ordered extra hoodies. If you would like a hoodie, I have in stock two of each size, small, medium, large, extra large, and double X. So you wouldn't have to wait if you wanted one now, is what I'm saying. And unless three of you order one size, and then one of you would have to wait. And it would be in that order. It's a fascinating story. Why don't I move on? The only other thing is the Amazon banner, which is on uh, JackieCation.com. White banner near the top, uh, middle-ish of the, of the front page. It's a portal into Amazon. If you order going through that portal from JackieCation.com, I get a kickback, a couple of percentage points on everything you spend. And we all spend money at Amazon, and I would appreciate that as a, as a little kickback. And it's a nice way to support the show. But let's get into it. Let's, let's have a show. All right. Shattering conventions, shattering conventions, shattering, shattering. Hey, I sang. It's Jackie Cation. Shattering conventions, commerce, Cosplay and Conflict on the Expo Floor by Bob Calhoun is this month's sponsor. It's a hilarious and disturbing book. Friend of the show, conventions dork Bob Calhoun has been on the show previous episode. He goes to all kinds of different conventions, trade shows and expos and writes about it in Shattering Conventions. But he doesn't just go to Comic-Con and Star Trek conventions. He goes to a gun show, a livestock show, a Republican convention, a conspiracy convention. I remember being uh, slightly worried when he went to that one. And even a Bigfoot hunter con. There's all kinds of crazy and wrong in this book, and it's not always where you expect to find it. Not only have I read this book, I endorsed it with a blurb on the back cover, and I recommend it to all rangers of the dork forest and spooky reading girls within the sound of my voice. The book is Shattering Conventions, Commerce, Cosplay, and Conflict, 
on the expo floor by Bob Calhoun. It's available in ebook and paperback from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. Uh, for more on the book, go to ShatteringConventions.com. It's a really good book. You should get it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation, and uh, welcome to the Dork Forest. Rangers, you've chosen wisely, as uh, Indiana Jones uh, heard in his program. Here's the thing. I'm sitting in my living room with Lorraine Newman. Lorraine, yeah, Lorraine, Saturday Night Live, Lorraine Newman, uh, Sketchfest. These things are happening. It's at Lorraine Newman, L-A-R-A-I-N-E, Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. And there's also LorraineNewman.com. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's hard to hear from the din of applause in your house. <laughs> oh, I yeah. didn't know you were going to have an audience, so it's I'm really, so embarrassed. It's so beautiful when you can hear the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And uh, But here's the good news. Uh, there's air conditioning. Yes. And it's 87 degrees outside. I know it, November, whatever it is. And so, but it's great. So I asked, we've been trying to do this for some time. I know. It's November. And in November, I'm not traveling. I'm not going anywhere. I'll get in my car. I'll drive to do a set. Okay. Not getting on a plane. All right. Is uh, there any particular reason for that? uh, I was uh, thinking about getting on a plane and crying. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> you've had it. I had had it just for a second. And, uh, I was like, I'm going to take all of November and just do local shows. And, uh, I start traveling again December 10th or so 11th when you or say something. Local, where would, where would that be? Well, for example, when we're done with this program, because mm-hmm. it is, I believe, only November 6th or 5th or something like that. Oh, the 6th, because yesterday was Guy Fox Day. So we're recording this November 6th. Uh, I am driving to Santa Barbara. So. Oh, pretty. It'll be nice, right? Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to a town called Golita, which I'm told is Santa Barbara. Yes, Golita. So, it's it's I don't know the about uh, it's the awkward cousin. <laughs> yeah. Is it just the is it just the town next to Santa Barbara? Um, you know what? I couldn't specifically say. Do you think it's do you think it's uh noticeably cheaper than Santa Barbara? I think it is. I don't really? think it has the uh, you know, the Might not uh, have the view? The beauty. Oh, it might not have I the view. I don't think it does have the patrician beauty of Santa Barbara. <laughs> It certainly doesn't I'm, have the name. Just, yeah, the Golita just sounds too much like goiter. <laughs> it I'm definitely has sort of a California, oh, we're in the Central Valley now. Yeah. But they aren't. They're, it's I mean, Golita. They're right, it's Golita. I'm going to Golita. Why Why wouldn't I? And so, are, did you grow up here? I'm a native of Los Angeles. I grew up in Westwood. And then when my brother and I were 11, we moved to Beverly Hills. That wasn't my fault. You just moved fault. out? You moved out? Well, yeah. The two of you. Well, no. My oh, okay. parents dragged Thank us. God. God. How hilarious would it have been if you and your brother just got, we're going yeah. to Beverly Hills. We're emancipated. <laughs> we, we just wanted to. We just wanted to get out of Westwood. Yeah. Which and is just. Stay out. Cause that's where UCLA is. Westwood is, uh, yes. is, uh, is nice. It's a college town. It's a nice little college town. Yeah. Did you go to college there by any chance? I or? didn't go to college, Jackie. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> Well, uh, and yet you're so erudite. I mean, if you're erudite. Uh, thanks. Oh my God, thanks. It I mean, if you mean three months at CalArts, if you call that college, <laughs> I don't. My friend John DeBoer used to do a joke about how he was like, I finished college. I didn't, I didn't graduate. I just finished. <laughs> I just finished. Just oh, that's you know. great. I it's love that. It's a good that. one, right? I do like yeah. that. John DeBoer, people go see him in live. He does the stand up comedy out of his joke hole. So, <laughs> his joke hole. everybody has a joke hole. I'm stealing that. Please do. And uh, go forth and take the words joke hole with you. Uh, I like the fact that you said nothing's really going on in January. There's Sketchfest, which is that San Francisco. Com- alternative comedy, con- comedy yeah. festival. There's yes. sketches. There's stand up. There's improv. It's, there's it's, it's 
every form of comedy you can imagine. Right. There's farting. There's people standing on their heads. There's, uh, it's comedy emissions. Right. Will Durst will be there holding forth. No doubt. I don't know that. I don't know that. Uh, Will Durst is good. Good guess. It's a good guess because he lives in San Francisco mm-hmm. and he is a political comic and I, he is from Milwaukee. So is he really? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. He never, he, much like myself, he doesn't get to play Wisconsin. We're, we're Christ-like. Our miracles you, do not work in our home just, state. There's no room in this town for, there's not enough room in this town for, we're, oh. we're, we're still working on the Houdini. Uh, Houdini okay. and Liberace are still being vetted. Wow. See if anybody cares. So I have a, a quite a list. I, I like the list. I love the longest of all lists. Yeah, you know, when you asked about collections, the last thing I collected were rubber animal erasers. <laughs> and I just didn't think that was a topic. Oh, it's a topic. Did you not hear about... Let me tell you a little bit about a lady named Fielding Edlow. Fielding Edlow collects stickers. She is a woman in her early 30s. Well, and she I collects, can see that. Yeah? yeah? Well, that's because you collect... Rubber erasers. <laughs> Rubber animal erasers. And there was a delineation between the good ones and the later ones because I collected, you know, I was born in the early 1950s, Excellent. the latter century. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was, and this, this goes into the realm of, uh, latex fetish. And, um, you know, there were like the panda bears and, and the yeah. inside of their ears had a really, a very, human texture-like feel to them. <laughs> oh, so there was a beauty to there it. There was a beauty. There was an artistry. They cared. People, and then, the tiny children that were making them back, was that made in the 50s? They were, yeah, they were. They, they, they then, were actual historical erasers. I think so. They, they, they had holes in their bottoms and you stuck, stuck them on the end of your pencil. Please but say holes yeah, in your bottoms Holes again. in your bottom. Please. They had holes in your bottom and you stuck your pencil in them. Someone create a ringtone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can see it happening. But did I ever use him for an eraser? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no, ladies and gentlemen. And I, we I gave made up, families, you know. We thing. gave up pencils and erasers for Halloween. Uh, wow, they with, must have hated you. Right, right. They kind of did. We also gave out gummy uh, fangs well, and that, bugs. That's good. Because we're not made of stone. Right. Uh, you know, but, and, and we gave out uh, whistles and... We get, we, it's bitching. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of kids. We live in a very blue collar neighborhood. A lot of people are breeding, so they like to bring uh, their youngins. Yeah. And we dressed up as Christmas elves and handed out, uh. That's great. Yeah, cause there's nothing more terrifying at Halloween to, than to see Christmas, Christmas elves. elves. Don't that's you think? Right. That's right. I just said elves one time and someone said, Lord of the Rings elves? And I was like, no, no, they are fair to behold upon. Yeah. We were dressed as Christmas elves. Yeah, for me it's just one elf. You know, I didn't realize that there were just uh, so many variations in a kaleidoscope of elves. I come from a generation where an elf is an elf. An elf is an elf. And you'll throw down, I sense. I would. You know, (laughs) I live up on a hill, and for the last God knows how many years, I did not get trick-or-treaters. You know, it was sad. I would buy all this candy, and then I would end up having to eat it myself. One of the one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. That's isn't it? Isn't it? And so, of course, the last couple of years I stopped buying it. Well, what do you think happened this past Halloween? The kids started climbing the damn hill. They sure as hell did. <laughs> and you know, a bunch of I would say six of the most adorable, sweet faced kids. And I, you know, you I find said, them you anything? guys, I told them, I said, you guys, I can't believe this. Nobody has come up here, and they were saying, oh, it's okay. They were so sweet. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was like, they were, they were comforting me. <laughs> it was, is mortifying. Children are adorable. But here's, here's the thing about in Los Angeles, the children, 
even the poor children get a lot of crap. There's like, there seems to be a lot of candy available if you are a child in America at this time. Yeah. I'm going to make a sweeping statement. Even the poor have access to corn syrup mm-hmm. in different yes. shapes. It's a privilege. It's, it, it's very, not even. I think not, a, it's, it's more of a right thing people well, think. Well, I, I have to, you know, just say that Lewis Black can just, you know, kiss my ass. That whole thing about candy corn. I, I love candy corn. Oh, he's anti-candy corn? Totally. Lewis Black. Here's the thing about the Dork Forest. It's a safe space, right? Yeah, I can so, say that. I love the man. Don't like his politics when it comes to candy <laughs> corn. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Another ringtone because there was a nice beat there. Uh, I don't like his politics that Lewis Black. Does he have politics? It doesn't he mostly talk about airline food. I forget mm. the, the comedy of Lewis Black. Well, I just listened to something recently, which is not a new bit, but it was talking about, uh, oh my God, now I can't remember the name of the politician, but he was essentially making a point that his parents were whores. Whores. Because whenever the guy would appear on TV, his parents would bark at the screen. But then when he was like at Carnegie Hall or, right. you know, and they saw the guy and the guy came up to his parents and hugged them. Huh. Then they were just gracious as could be. Oh, interesting. But what, what are you going to do? You know, what knee I... him in the balls? I mean, what? No, no. There's nothing. It's like uh, Jimmy Pardo told me he got to meet Sarah Palin one time. <gasps> and uh, he was like, I don't want to meet her, but I want to meet her. But I want to really, really get in her face. And then, uh, and then I was like, so did you get in his face? He said, no, I have a dream sequence. Where I get <laughs> and then in real life, I'm just polite. <laughs> God, of course, of course. Right, because he's not an animal. No. Oh my gosh. And Bill, Bill, uh, just there's. Let's just talk about other people's material. Uh, Bill. Mar. Nope. Uh, starts with a D. Does it? Really? Well, Allow me to make a note of at nine minutes and forty seconds. Uh, so that we never. We had this. a. G- 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 Gap. Lose it. Bill, and I would know this person. I maybe, would, wouldn't maybe. I? Maybe. Golfing. What's, he was what's on the, the door material? Forest. What's the material? Uh, the joke was, uh, he, he does this joke about how he has, uh, three beautiful children and one, his four children. His three beautiful children. And so he gets off stage and I said, do you really have an ugly kid? And he goes on this, he goes, Jackie, I have three children. What are you, nuts? Oh, and I, and oh I, my but God. But my heart, it hurt my heart for a second. And, uh, oh so, my God, that's, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's really brilliant. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Bill, B-I-L. Yep. It's gone. Bill Burr. So, nope. No. 10, okay. 20. <laughs> so speaking of Halloween, mm-hmm. you like horror movies? I do. I love horror movies. My brother and I, when we were four, I don't know who did this to us, but they took us to a movie called X-76 Bloodrust. Bloodlust? Blood, blood, blood rust. Blood rust? X-76 yes. blood rust. Rust. Yeah. And from what I can remember of it, it was a, it was a thing that looked like vomit. It was created in a sparklets bottle, and if it touched you, you would die. <laughs> and, you know, from what I remember, <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw it when I was four. This is the bits that I remember looking at it through, you know, my fingers parted. And my, you genuinely uh, remember this from when you were four. Yeah. Like these are the snippets it's in that black you, and white. Wow. And, you know, I just remember it forcing its way out of a cargo hold in an airplane and people freaking out. And, you know, on my fan page, people found the title. Do I remember it? No. Right. But you can get the movie. Sure. But, um, John Landis is another horror dork. Yeah. He had never heard of it. 
So yeah, I thought, I'm never going to find this movie, but someone found it for someone me. Someone found it, and so it is indeed real. It is this a was real not movie. just some nightmare yeah. of, like, your Uncle Jimmy stole you and exactly. stuck you in a closet <laughs> with a sparklets bottle. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's called it, Blood uh, Rust. X76 Blood Rust. Uh, 19, well, we were four in 1956. So, so, no, so it was a new movie. Yeah. Someone said, hey, it was in the theaters. In the theaters. Let's get the kids. Yeah. Let's and uh, take them to a scary movie. Yeah, Cause, uh, why should our babysitting them crap right. our style? Right. Exactly. We're, we're, we want to see this yeah. horrible, what was clearly, uh, mm. and the exposition on that. So have you seen it since? No, I'm going to get a copy of it. You got to get a I copy. I just, of you it. know, sometimes, they can be such disappointments. I, I would like it to maintain its its mystery and glamour. Oh no! This you'll watch it and then you'll laugh. Maybe, maybe you'll just laugh and be happy because is that uh, the, some people like horror movies because it makes them laugh. Oh yeah, is that why you like? Oh well, I do appreciate a good horror comedy. Like uh, what's the one? Um, I saw Evil Dead Two for the first time. Yeah. And that good. was, and that seemed to be absurdist. Well, the first one was funny too. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. The Sam Raimi one is funny. Okay. Oh, yeah. I heard and it the was second sc- actually scary. It is scary, but it also has moments that are really funny. Well, that's, I mean, I, I like, it's, I, I want to be able to watch horror movies. I don't enjoy tension. Yeah. And here's <laughs> the thing. You know, there are certain movies like Saw. Oh, right. And Hostel, uh, where we're dealing with human evil. Okay. That can be real. Yeah. I don't like those. Right. Although the first ones are good because they're original. Right. When we get into sequels, it becomes horror porn and it becomes an endurance test of how long it can keep your eyes open. Yeah. I can't, I have, you know, no I, use for that. Right. I don't know what that's doing for anyone. I mean, right. it's not doing anything for me. Mm-mm. And, and like, I don't like torture porn. Yeah. Like, nor, nor do I. Uh, revenge porn, and mm-hmm. it turns out now horror porn. Yes. Yeah. I don't yeah. like porn. Yeah. I may not be porn. It may well, not be now for me. just wait to take it all back. Yeah. But, I've yet um, to get my porn dork on, you know. Yeah. Well, the dork just, uh, when you if, do, if you'd like to be, we'll do it a group, <laughs> a group one. Nude. Yeah. We'll have to all be nude. Yeah. It's a, I had a therapist once who used to do sexual uh, therapy all in the nude in the 70s. Really? Yeah, she did couples therapy. She admitted me. that. Yeah, and she said, "God bless her." Right, right. And I was like, "Well, do you, do you still do that?" And this is many, just probably ten years ago. I was because when I was going to the therapist, and I said, "Do you still do that?" And she said, "Yeah, we all have our clothes now. Nobody <laughs> needs to be nobody needs to be naked, and no one needs to." Hmm. So well, I, she, was she able to tell you the merits of the previous? <laughs> she said, "Modality." <laughs> she said the modality was uh was pointless, and okay. people could keep their clothes on, and it would be fine. <laughs> nice. She was in favor of that tapping thing. You know that tapping? Uh, the, I've never a, heard of that. It's a therapy where you talk and you tap your own face, uh, which what I think the is fuck? like I think it's just supposed to distract you into be telling the truth. Because if you're concentrating well, on something, yeah, I can and someone's see asking that. you questions about your life, you're just blurting things out. It's a misdirect, right? It's a misdirect. Yeah, because clever. She, yeah, it is a pretty good. So you're like tapping your eyebrow, tapping your lip, tapping your chin, tapping your cheek, cool. and then follow this wand. Yeah. She's like, also follow this wand and wow. tell me about your Elvis. Tell me about, <laughs> tell me about your Elvis. How does your Elvis uh, affect you? And I was like, I don't know Elvis. That and, is clever. 
I know. Wow. It's kind of fascinating. So what are your favorite kinds? So your favorite kind of horrors, are they the... Yeah, I like stuff that's original. One of the most recent things that I really like was a movie called Housebound. Housebound. And it's from New Zealand. Oh. And all of the actors in it are terrific. Right. And it's really not supernatural although you're led to believe it is in the beginning. Right. And it's this girl who's absolutely incorrigible. She commits her last crime, and instead of going to jail, she has one of those sensors on her ankle and is bound to her home and Uh... staying with her mother. And strange things are going on in the house. And we realize that they've been going on since she was a little girl. And Uh... this kind of mystery unfolds. And it's you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, the cops never believe you. This cop... Right. Immediately believes her. <laughs> Immediately. He's like, oh, I bet you that's true. Yeah, and he's like taking measurements for, you know, e- echoplasm and everything. It's okay. just fantastic that you realize that the cop is totally into that kind of supernatural thing. Right, right. And he's like You're a like, ghost hunter. You finally you know? found the ghost hunter cop yeah, that you needed. Yeah, he just happens to be, you know, the <laughs> one that answers the call. It's fantastic on every level. All the actors are great. All the characters are great. And it's really fun I and well written. I really, and... really recommend it. And yeah. was it? Did it have that that good sort of comedy bent to it? Like it was scary, but it was funny. Yeah, so scary both, and funny. Both. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because uh, people like it, it to be scary. You know, yeah. like I saw last year for the first time last year, year before the Ghost and Mr. Chicken, which is with Don Knotts. Uh, yes. Uh, which mm-hmm. I had never seen. I've never seen it either. It is uh, both scary and funny. Really. And Don Knotts maybe should have gotten an award for it. I or have at least to check that out. Because, I mean, I I recognize that he's good. Right. Well, he's doing what he does, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in in the moment, he's <laughs> very much Don Knotts, but he is actually, it's he's got there's some small amount of depth to this character. Wow. He's Mister Chicken, just so you know. Okay. He is not a ghost. He is the the Mister Chicken. I know it's shocking that I haven't seen that movie, but it's just it's kind of I missed it. Right. It was. You know? I think it was a 1970. Right, and I was uh, grown up by then and taking drugs. Then. And you were busy so, taking drugs yeah, exactly. and driving too fast, probably. Right. Exactly, and, and that smoking was... cigarettes. Oh, cigarettes. Yeah. I saw a couple of people smoking cigarettes the other day. I thought to myself, look at that, what still happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people are still smoking some cigarettes. Right. Not an e-thing either. So they retro. Very, very retro. Nobody wearing mm. a hat, though. So, I mean, it wasn't well, like it wasn't okay. like they were doing it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Hat. That's that's how I would have known that they were that they were retro. Uh, so pushers. <laughs> so housebound is a new one that you've seen. Yeah. Um, there've been you know, uh, and there's comedies. I wish I could remember this one. Uh, there's like John dies at the end. That's the title. That's oh, wow. a good one. Um, and, and is that American? Yeah, that's okay. American. And I, it might not be John dies at the end, but it's a name of a guy dies at the end. <laughs> Somebody dies at the end. Somebody dies at the that's end. And it's the pretty well done. <laughs> and then there's, uh, there's one with, oh my God, it's, it's these two guys with chainsaws and it is so funny. The whole thing is all like misunderstandings and people die because of, all these, it's like a Rube Goldberg. Do you know who that yeah. is? It's yeah. like a Rube Goldberg setup with each and everything so that people die because of all these stupid accidents. Right. I, I just, I, I should really look it up. I should have looked it up before <laughs> well, I came the, but here. But what I liked about your note, you're like, I don't really collect them, but I watch, <laughs> yeah. I watch them. Right. And that's- Rick, it's like Ricky and Bobby. Something like that. That's what know? it's called, Ricky and Bobby. It's, it's Ricky and Bobby and something something. 
It's so fantastic. Guess what I just did? I just remembered the name of the comic with the three kids and the four kids. Tell me. So I'm not cutting that out, folks. That's right. It's yeah. live podcasting. Bill Dwyer, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Oh, he's great. He's, he's great. so great, isn't he? Yeah, he's he is fantastic. A, he's a treat, yeah. is what Bill Dwyer is. And that is a really clever bit. About the four the four kids yeah. and the three kids. And yeah. my, another favorite, he gets on an elevator. He likes to face the wrong way. And then he likes to say over and over again, is this 11? <laughs> is this 11? And then when they get to 11, he goes, oh, I'm not going to 11. And uh, and then just keep. Oh, going. that's clever. It's just I he does it that. much much better than I, love than I just told it. But no, it's such but, a wonderful. No, I'm laughing on the inside. Yeah. You know, I'm a tough crowd. Oh, we all are, aren't we? Yeah. But it's a very silly, very sm- very yeah. smart kind of weird little it's, joke. Yes, it's absolutely. Bill Dwyer, deep. ladies and gentlemen, very get out deep. There. Bill with one L, and uh, so and then we go right into let's because I'm saving this. I'm going to save this because this is this is going to go. Okay. That's going to be this is something I think people are going to be pretty excited about. Let's go through the TV shows that you like. Okay. Because there's you're like, "Well, I I I'm obsessed with uh, I like uh I like uh, a lot of British dramas on Netflix and direct TV. Dramas and comedy. You know, BBC America has a lot of great stuff. The IT crowd, which is the first time I ever saw Chris yeah. O'Dowd and Richard Aode. And it's what they base the Big Bang Theory on. And I always like the IT crowd better. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. Right, because it's an entirely different program. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, for yeah. crying out loud. Well, um, IT crowd is brilliant. Matt Berry, who plays their boss, incredible. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. And the actress who plays uh, their manager, Kathleen Parkinson, she uh, was also on a great other great British show called Doc Martin. Doc Martin? Yeah. Spelled like the shoe? Uh, spelled differently, but okay. he's like, before there was House, yeah. there was Doc Martin. Okay. You know, the absolutely unbearable, just curmudgeon. Just yeah. Uh, Luckily, basically, you know, Asperger's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's in Cornwall, this beautiful oceanside town. And, you know, he can't stand the sight of blood. That's why he's in private practice. He was a surgeon. Okay. And wow. he was consigned to this small town and, uh, it's a great, great series. That's, I, I love all that. I just saw something called Jack Irish. Oh. Um, a British, um, what the hell? Hey. I do not know that one. Well, and the, Sir. Um, and a very, and a, a very famous, um, uh, Australian actor is in it. Huh. Huh. Yeah, it could be anything. But so uh, there's other comedies. The, yeah. The uh, Little Britain. Did you ever see Little Britain? Little Britain, where the they're the one gay guy. I remember that sketch in Little Britain. I think the, I only oh, saw the, the, first the only gay in series. The, the, the only gay in the village. Yes. Yeah. The only gay. <laughs> That's yeah. It's uh, Matt Matt uh, Lucas and um, David Williams. Okay. And it is remarkable. And my kids grew up watching it so that they can imitate a lot of the characters. They're like, I don't like it. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but no. I mean. And the the high school with the boy, the girl. Yeah, that's Vicky Pollard. That's it. Yes, the yeah, but no, but yeah, you know, smoking pregnant girl. Right. You know, you go all lazy from the bathwater. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's so clever. Are those all on streaming? They must be, because that's where I would have seen Little Britain. Streaming on the, the computer machine? On the computer, on the, uh. Oh, um, I saw it on BBC. How did I see it? How did I see it? Did they BBC stop by America. BBC America? Because there was no Netflix when I was watching this show. Okay. Netflix didn't exist. What? 
Oh, wow. So you saw it from the get. Yeah. So you must have just been watching PBS or BBC America. Yeah. And it showed up. Because mm-hmm. I we get PBS. We have rabbit ears. We have uh, very Those nice rabbit are ears. very nice. Well, the one of them's bent. But uh, we, we have access oh, to there's your... there's a story behind that. <laughs> yeah, it's a story of me tripping, sadly. Aww. It's I'm a gazelle. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> what we have here... I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> We have here in this area is a lot of opportunities <laughs> to get on to Hulu Plus and oh. uh, HBO, my brother's HBO Go and oh, our Netflix. And then we have Chromecast, which means we can throw something from YouTube or something onto the, the big screen. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you have Apple TV? No, it's like that. But okay. it's, uh, Chromecast is 35 bucks mm-hmm. and, um, and we don't, we have, Am- we have Amazon Prime. Oh, if yeah, we that's wanna, fantastic. If you want to buy anything. Yeah. But so uh, easy to find all of this stuff, mm-hmm. especially all those great British series, because they do, I don't know why. They're, first of all, the people are normal looking. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, I mean, and they it's not are. that I don't that's... like good looking people. I like good looking people as much yeah, as the everybody next Everybody does. But, you know, <laughs> the the standard of beauty, it's it's much more realistic. And you grow to love these people and you don't notice that they're normal looking. They right. become beautiful because... They're treated like regular people. Yes. Like when you meet somebody and you're like, well, he has a weird thing in his ear. And then like the third time <laughs> you meet him, you never notice the weird thing in his ear because right. you've listened to him. What's going on in his brain box coming out of his uh, talking uh, face, talking hole, talking yeah. hole at this. Exactly. Exactly. Be a joke hole. You're right. I mean, yeah, you but know, that's but exactly right. I just saw um, uh, a death at Pimberley. Uh, what is it? A death at Pemberley, or something like that. Okay. Two, two, uh, two weekends episodic movie. And, um, yes. It was, uh, it was an imagined, extrapolated story extension of, um, Oh my God! What is the one? Uh, oh my God! This is terrible. This, this is, is a Bill, be the best Bill Dwyer moment. It's a Bill Dwyer moment. Oh, hey Rangers, how's it going? <laughs> get up, get a soda. Oh, what is or the something? Jane Austen thing? Uh, with Pride, and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice. And That's exactly Pride oh. and Prejudice. It's, yeah. it's those characters. Yep. And you know they're living their idyllic life. And um, okay. The character, the the you know the the uh, ward that is the brother of. Um, the main dude? Yeah, the main okay. dude. He commits a crime and so on and so forth. Oh, wait. Darcy's, Darcy's, Darcy's brother. Uh, uh, like the guy who was raised with who was yeah, a tool bag. He's a tool bag. Yeah. yeah. He, he, they think he commits a, tr- a crime. Actually, he didn't commit it, believe uh-huh. it or not. Matthew Good was in that role. Oh, is he totally foxy? <laughs> um, but the actress that was playing, you know, the, the right. wife of um, Darcy. Darcy. Right. Was, um, I'm trying to tell you what else she's been in that you would have seen, but there's a show on TV now, uh, that is a remake of a show that was called Broadchurch. Okay. And it's, it's on TV. Broadchurch was the British one? Was the British one, and now it's like Evergreen or something like that. American version? It's the American version. Same male lead. Oh, interesting. But, you know, different, uh, it was, I think, uh, uh, um, Oh, the actress from, uh, Breaking Bad. Okay. Is in that same role. Okay. And, you know, she's, she's terrific. She's a terrific mm-hmm. actress. But, you know, the actress in the, uh, ro- in the English role, she's, looks normal. Right. Okay. Right. She's playing the role that 
you know, uh, right. You, you, Kira you, Knightley you, played. Right. You know, right. and it's totally believable. And it's perfectly you don't question fine. It. Yeah, it's so weird. You know, there was some story I heard about Seinfeld where there was Seinfeld and Michael Richards and uh, Jason Alexander. And then instead of casting a normal looking woman comic, they had to go with Elaine, oh. Julia D- Louise Dreyfus. Just they were like, we need someone in this cast to be good looking. And um you're like, oh, come on. It's oh, not God. that big of a deal. Here's what uh, here's what we got from Netflix. This is a talk about normal looking people. Uh, have never been able to, that's been sitting here for almost a year. That is an actual disc that we received from Netflix. Uh, it's called Jonathan Creek is the name of it. And he lives in a windmill. Uh huh. <laughs> keep talking, keep talking. And it teams up with the newly married Carla Borrego, Julia Sohala. There's jealousy and mystery in the air in the fourth season of this BBC series. The pair investigate a criminal who escapes from a locked room, a famous designer's puzzling suicide, the theft of a cursed figurine, and a serial killer who murders women named after flowers. Oh, I like that. This (laughs) disc includes the following episodes. The coonskin cap, (laughs) angel hair, and the tailor's dummy. All right. Oh, Let me nice. tell you about Jonathan Creek. Uh, it, every, he's a, he makes, um, a, his character makes up tricks for, um, a magicians. He makes Ooh, up the illusions. Nice. So he solves locked room, uh, mysteries. Oh, that's good. Right. And he is very much not socially all there. Lives uh-huh. alone in a windmill. Like Sherlock. Like a Sherlock. Uh, but not, Benedict Cumberbatch. This is not, this is a normal looking dude. Okay. And then, um, and then his, the, his partner, neither of these two people, by the way, are likable. Okay. They are hilariously non-likable. Like Doc Martin. Like real, like, like sort of normal people where you're like, well, I'm still hanging out with that person. Uh-huh. Even though she is not great. Right. And <laughs> she, she's a, um, a gossip columnist and she lies and steals and cheats a little bit all just a little bit Uh and all just to get the story and all kind of to and you're like and yet more work than just being honest what are you what are you doing i'm still here right i'm still watching you because you're kind of fascinating and uh i don't know yeah i have no idea uh if it's been so long so you haven't watched or you did watch Uh, of course you did watch the first uh, first three seasons there's three season. seasons. Yeah, there's, this is the fourth season. How have I not heard of that one? I don't know. Jonathan Creek from 2003. Damn. I know it. It's older. It's older. But she, she is super normal looking. Wow. And he is super goony looking. And they are, uh, hilarious and kind of interesting. It's a, it's a, it's another one. Well, I had Eddie Pepitone on and he was talking about how much he loved Miss Marple. Yes. And then, oh, Poirot. Well, is his favorite. Yes, David Schusset. And yeah, I love that you brought up the fact that they do have normal looking people in these shows. Yeah. I love that. And speaking of, uh, you know, uh, wacky, the other show is Mighty Boosh. Have you ever seen that? I've heard of that. What is That's, that? Um, how do I say what Mighty Boosh is? <laughs> Noel Fielding, who is a musician, but also a comic. Right. And his brother, uh, who is probably five feet tall, who plays the character of Nobu, who has a, a turban and he's a mystic. Okay. And then, um, uh, Julian Barrett, who's like his partner and they work at a zoo and the zookeeper is, uh, Rich Fulcher. Oh. Who is 
a brilliant, brilliant guy. Yeah. And, uh, they just, you know, he just, you know, Noel Fielding's character just wants to play in a rock band. <laughs> but that is the extent of the reality. Okay. That's the extent of it. From there, it goes into a world. I mean, this is also what's great about English TV. They do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> like on the IT crowd. I mean, right. that, that content is so specifically and idiosyncratic. Yes. You know, and they can just do it. Right. Like Doctor Who, the fact that it's supposed to be for children. <laughs> it's terrifying. I know. Uh, Torchwood. That guy I love Torchwood. Well, they tried to make a British version of it. it I mean, an American version oh. of it. And uh, it fell apart. Uh, cause he comes over to America and you're like, well, and the last, I, I, cause I, I watched Torchwood cause I wanted to watch Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but there were too many Doctor Who's. I know. So I, I've only watched 11 of the new Doctor Who's starting I from see. 2005. Right. I could watch all of Torchwood cause there were only like 14. I of know. Them. And then I would have, and then I get it. So. Yeah. I was waiting for the next season of Torchwood, but no. Nope. No, it no. got, but it was so dark. But I don't think that was supposed to be for children. Maybe no. it was. No, it wasn't. It couldn't no. possibly have no, been for it was children. Sci-fi, sci-fi, and, the, and the Jack making out with anything mm-hmm. that would show up in front of him. He's like, "Yeah, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit that. That's gonna be great." Yeah. And uh, but played by a British guy, I believe, doing an yes. American accent. Yes. Correct. Mm-hmm. All yes, right. indeed. And they he did a nice that. job. Did a real nice job. They do. They do. A lot of them do that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's so, so funny to me, and yet. Slightly irritating that, you know, you see them the in these American shows. Taking our then, jobs. You know, you see them playing these roles and then you hear them talking mm-hmm. and they're completely different. Mm-hmm. What are they, actors? Yeah. That's crazy. Could talk. be. Could be. Mm, could be. Mm-hmm. It's like when gay people play straight on television. Yeah. And well, they're like, how do you do it? And you're like, acting that's their what whole lives. Their whole lives, but just for a half an hour to crack. All right. So those are lots of good stuff. That is a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of things. Um, the, that I, 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 um, I went to some anime convention a couple of months ago and I got to see a bunch of anime. Anime is interesting. And I, well, what happened was is, Lorraine, here's what happened. I looked down. What happened is I looked down at my notes and I saw that you did, uh, an animated series with Titmouse. Yes. And, uh, which and you named, thought anime. And I thought anime. And then I thought. I did Metalocalypse. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What'd I you do in Metalocalypse? I played all the mothers except for Murderface's mom. <laughs> and a lot of other female roles on it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you, you, you have access. Uh, in, inside, uh, inside your, your voice box there, uh, for some different voices. That is mainly what I do now. It's I a lo- love it. Oh, do you? Yeah. It's got to be. I love it, that work. It's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's got a, it, it's creative and yet it's, and, and super supportive and you're making, kind of making difference when I think like Bamford does all those. Yes. I've she, worked with her a lot. Yeah. And animation just recently too. And people, and people care. I mean, people are like, Oh my God, Tom Kenny does SpongeBob. Right. I got to go talk to Tom Kenny. Yeah. And you're like, Okay, it's a cart, and, and I don't know why I would not be, but it was surprising when I first realized the fan base of people like Yeah, if all they that. do iconic characters. Yeah. It's really meaningful. That's, and then you have your Comic Con. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You bring it. You gotta yeah. bring it to, to mm-hmm. all your different conventions. And I, and I, I like animation. I just, um, I, I just, uh, 
Anime is a whole different thing, though. I, I worked on Ponyo. Oh, okay. And um, we were dubbing it. Okay. And I thought, you know, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make it sound more human. Not that stilted, you know, hey, come over here. Hey, come into the boat. You know, right. um, I'm going to give it some humanity. I could not do it. You couldn't do it? No, because the phrasing was such that you uh. had to fit the words into this thing. So I ended up sounding like... Oh, young boy, coming to the boat now. Oh, did you, know? you play that? What, what, the woman in the in the other boat? Yeah, it was just you know, small that was one of the thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I yeah. loved Ponyo because she loves ham. Yeah, and that was one of the things I liked about Ponyo. I was like, all right, yeah. well, you have some ham, you weird yeah. fish kid. Ponyo brought me my knees. <laughs> well, she's willing to share. It's uh. Yeah, I don't, uh, I just have a, this voice and then I have a, a dumb guy voice. So those aren't, that, that might not be enough. I might uh, have to take a voiceover class that might bring out other voices that are trapped inside of it's me. It's awfully fun. Maybe there's some tapping that I could do and then someone could tell me to do voices <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, sudden you wouldn't even know that you could do it. <laughs> I could do any kind of voice ever. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Okay, now let us get to it. <laughs> you said, I also love EDM. Dubstep. Yes. First of all, I had to look it up. Right. I didn't know what it was. Right. Electronic dance music. music yes. <laughs> yeah. That thing? Uh, yeah. That okay. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> With the techno and the raving? The raving? Right. Well, here's what happened. What happened? Okay. I have been going to Coachella for the last <laughs> eight years. Yes. For I am real? not kidding. No. Yes, of course, for real. Where's Coachella again? Coachella is way the hell and gone in Indio. And um, let me just say, I love this festival so much that I am willing to put up with heat and filth. Right. Yeah. And that's just the people. <laughs> Holy crap. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. I, Coachella. You know, I, this, when I was growing up in Los Angeles, this is the greatest place to hear music. But right. none of my friends liked the kind of music that I liked, so I went and saw stuff by myself. Oh, did you? Yeah. And my older daughter, Lena was the same way. Okay. Only I was willing to go with her. Oh, right. Yeah. So, like, one of the first bands she wanted to see live was of Montreal. Okay. And they were playing at the Echoplex downtown. But okay. the Echoplex didn't look the way it looks now, which is still a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't even have a sign. And When the Echoplex started, it was a worse-looking piece of shit than it is now? Yes. Is what you're saying? Uh, that is what I'm saying, Jackie, wow. if you can imagine such a thing. I don't I don't know a lot. I've been to the Echoplex. It's yeah. kind of run down. Yeah. They fixed it up to look like that. Like that, yeah. Well, good for them. Yeah, like the front is caving in <laughs> a little better than it was. <laughs> yeah. But it was a great show, and right. there was four people, four acts, and they were all fantastic. Okay. And then she was into this band, Golgol Bordello, and yeah. The Darkness, which is a great metal band from England. Oh, wow. And so she heard about Coachella, and mm-hmm. this was, I think, the fourth year of Coachella. Okay. Where you could buy a one-day pass, and it was only for two days. Okay. Um, and so we went... And the minute I set foot on the polo grounds, you know, <laughs> I was enchanted, okay. completely enchanted. It has these art installations. It's got these stages and tents. And uh, so someone with set design was obviously involved from a very early point. Yeah. 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 And they're interactive art installations, oh. which is really fun. Um, Audio visual or? 
Oh, yeah. Or just spinny or? Well, you know, like one of them was this grand kind of piano of sorts, but you had to climb in order to get onto it. Oh, wow. Another, like the first dubstep tent that they ever had was enclosed. They learned their lesson on that one. Why? Because of the heat. Oh, okay. Because the, <laughs> all the dancing? Yes. Then they're all packed into an enclosed Yeah, and it area. was relatively small too, but they had like these, this furniture that looked like you know, uh, law, fallen logs and okay. large mushrooms and things like that. And <laughs> That's cool. they had like vines coming down from the ceiling. It was fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, things like that. And they would have like, a a grid of, of lights that was an, um, installation as well. Okay. So that whatever the music was going on in the tent next to it. Right. The lights were responding, you know, to that a- accordingly. Okay. Yeah. And it was just, it was wonderful. But, you know, over the years, I found myself the safari tent. Uh, no, the Sahara tent is the, the Sahara one. The Sahara tent. The Sahara tent is the one that mainly you find dubstep in. Okay. And over the years, I found myself just making a beeline for that tent and staying there. And that's where I discovered Skrillex and uh, Dylan Francis. Okay. And Excision. Right. And then I just started finding people on my own. I would just troll iTunes. <laughs> And, um, just Google, like uh, search dubstep or EDM or, yeah. And just, you know, like I would the, uh, lineup. I mean, yeah, there would be uh, the lineup. They would release the lineup for Coachella and I wouldn't know anybody except for the headliners, Hmm. you know? So I would go down and there's, these are a lot of bands. I would go down the list. Mm -hmm. You can click on them. There's a link to their music Mm -hmm. and I would know within nine seconds whether I was interested. Well, maybe less, you know? Right. And this is how I'd discover new music. Wow. That is a rabbit hole because there had to be a hundred bands. Yeah. So yeah, you're but like, I was willing to do it. Five you know? seconds per, you're yeah. like, oh, I'm going to spend an afternoon doing this. Yeah. <laughs> or an hour but, and a half. You know, it was like the but attention span fun. of a nine-year-old boy. But that's, <laughs> yeah. But that's so great that, um, it was, it is. So, I like doing it. And so it's like, it's not electronica. It is. That's the same. It's, sort I of- think it's the evolution of it. Okay. I mean, electronica still has its own genre and its own place. Um, and I don't really know how dubstep came about and there's also like a new category of bro step that they call it because you know uh it's a little more grittier okay uh pounding okay so dubstep is a little more melodic yeah it's a little sweeter like cascade okay that kind of sound Mm. um but skrillex is a little like you know more heavy metal it's a little tougher a little tougher yeah and tough tough uh so (laughs) but the uh what's the and do you dance? Well, you see, I am a 62-year-old woman. Yes. So um, I'm afraid of falling on my ass. <laughs> right. And but, but you're very fit. You don't... I'm relatively fit, but the ground is not even. It's a grass field uh... most often. And there's also another festival called Hard Summer uh-huh. that is all dubstep. And oh, wow. the second year that I went... The whole thing is dubstep. It's all dubstep. So Where's, What town is that in? That's in L.A. In L.A., hard yeah. summer. Yeah. And the second year I went, my daughter Hannah t- said to me, Mom, you know that's a rave. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean it's I a just, rave? I just wanted to go listen to some music. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it's great, though. But, you know, people are very solicitous because of my age. Oh. 
Okay. So everybody's very nice. Everyone, you know? oh, very supportive. The, the and crowd, sweet and yeah, the crowd is very. They kind of part. Yeah, they do. Well, also, if I want to get up close, I just like put a worried look on my face and go, <laughs> Robbie, <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> it works every time. Nailed it. Oh, I got some footage. <laughs> you got, do you have any footage? Sure. And is it on, uh, do you have a YouTube page or I, something? I or? don't because, yes, see, the getting the YouTube page is complicated. Is it? But I do want to do like the Coachella report. I am planning on doing that this year. Yeah. And, you know, for whoever's going to watch it. Right. I want to do the Coachella report before it happens and my recommendations on where to stay. Yeah. You know, what uh, shuttle to take. Um, oh, what bands a, to see, right? Yeah, just sort of a startery kind of. Yeah. Oh, this is fascinating. Yeah. The whole, the fact that you go to Coachella and Hard Summer and, and all these things. You know, I had Jake Johansson in where he oh, talked he's about the, the New Orleans Jazz Fest. Mm-hmm. He goes every year and he's, great. and, and he doesn't, and it's not all jazz mm-hmm. and it's all different kinds of music. So mm-hmm. what are your, uh, so what you're saying is, is you just go and you listen. Yeah. And you, do you dance a little bit? Are you over I'll dance a little bit if I'm not like, uh, if you're not going to get crowd. pushed. Yeah. If I'm not going to get, you yeah. know, um, if it's not trampled. Right. Right. Yeah. You want it. Nobody wants to get trampled. Yeah. I mean, I'm not self-conscious, but well, I'm slightly self-conscious because, okay. you know, I don't want to look like an asshole. Right. And I don't want to look like a, like a youth vampire. Right. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> I'm just worried about people right. thinking, you know. Yeah. You, there's part of you that I, because there's always part of me that wants to dance like nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. And the ma- majority knows that people might be watching. Yeah, there's just no such thing. There's no such thing as being able to right. do that. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, but what y- young people don't understand is it is true. You do not age inside. I mean, some people do. Yeah. But most of us don't. No. No. You know? Do you know who ages uh, uh, on the inside? Someone who says out loud, I'm a young 50. <laughs> uh, that person was born 50. Right. And, uh, or someone who says that's not music, that's noise. Oh, right. It's, it's, it isn't music for me. It's not something. Right. That, no, I, I yeah. should qualify that. Yeah. Um, it's that I might not enjoy it, but no. it's, well, it isn't for everybody because you know, like uh, absolutely. Some people does, well, my older daughter thinks it's, it's noise. Right. Does not enjoy it. Right. But if it's composition, it's absolutely composition and, um, I mean, orchestras have taken Skrillex's stuff and and oh, and, and done and comp- recreated it absolutely and different arrangements. And- absolutely, huh? I mean, it's really. I, I'm going to Google that because Skrillex. I've actually heard of them. My thing is with music. I like to buy one album of uh, whatever band mm-hmm. and then listen to that forever, and then never buy another one of their albums. It's not. I understand. I mean, it's, it's, not everybody has a lot of a body of work that is. Right. And, and I don't, I don't know enough about music so that I'll like, I'll fall into something. Like I own one Alabama Shakes album. I, I own don't know one on Montreal is. album. I own, yeah, they're good. I own one fun dot album. Uh, you know what I mean? I think that's so sweet that you admitted that. Sure. Sure. Well, and for me, this is the entire, it, it, I have the, a train record. Okay. <laughs> I have one of the train songs. Oh, I admitted you? that. Yes. How does it go? Calling all angels. <laughs> I have it. How does it go? I, is there a way to duplicate that with your voice or do you need a Cassia? I need a sign. Let me know you're here. No. Um, <laughs> that, if that's part of it, that sounds melodic. That sounds nice. It is melodic. Um, what's also great about dubstep is people collaborate all the time. Okay. You know, like Diplo. Crossovers? Yes. Diplo and, um, who's really like 
a major guy. And, and once I had, I'd heard Skrillex first. Right. Then I heard Diplo and I realized that he influenced Skrillex. Oh. But, uh, Dylan Francis and Diplo and all of these guys collaborate and it just becomes a whole different sound altogether and great. That's, that's fascinating. Cause yeah. you, you're just like, because everybody has their own style. I mean, again, if you think it's noise, you're not going to recognize that. And you won't be able to hear the differences. And right. you won't be able to really appreciate the nuances and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, I like it. You know what? Well, sometimes when I listen to it, it sounds mathematical. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, like there's a formula to it that. Because it seems repetitive. And it yeah. is. But mm-hmm. for me, it becomes a soundtrack to a, 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 a fantasy that I create okay. in my head. And I create stories in my head. And so it, becomes it kind of lets you. It kind of loosens you up. It kind of mm-hmm. lets you go. Your mind was. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. That's yeah. what music is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I think. So. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many times I can listen to Cat Stevens that's really going to make that happen for me. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm reading Richard Box illusions. Well, you know, you're really like con- constrained by the lyrics because they tell a story, and that's you know. How can what you, are you write your do? own story when you're hearing a story? Man? Exactly. You just got to let it go. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, I and I, you know what? I, I like to listen to uh, Native American. <laughs> I like to listen to. I don't know. What's, the, it's just, it's, oh, you mean often Native American mu- music, music. Yeah, specifically? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a, like, it's, it's whistles and. There's a and Native drums. American dubstep band, too. Is there? There is. What's the name of it? Any idea? I have to look it up. That's okay. Someone sent that to me. Oh, that's neat. But yeah. And it is some drumming. There's some drumming. I'll send you the link. Native American dubstep. That's awesome. It is, and, isn't it? Yeah, I love it when. My favorite thing is when, is when we do talk about music and I learn something that mm-hmm. I want to, that I want to hear, you uh-huh. know? There was, we had, um, Brandy Posey on talking about ska. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about ska. I mean, yeah. it turns out I knew what some songs because I had a couple of albums, mm-hmm. but I don't. Um, well, a great ska song is Free Nelson Mandela by the Specials. The Specials, yeah. And, um, I think Elvis Costello covered it or? I think he's on it, but I could be wrong. But it's a great song. Okay. Yeah, I, I, there was, um, there was just, you know, the, the, sort of the history of the ska movement and knowing, like, did, did all of this dubstep, the, the electric dance music, it just, it, it feels like there's some, is there sampling there too? Yeah, but they make their own sampling. Okay. As well as take, you know, using sampling. Right. Okay. So they, 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 they create a, a, a short piece and yeah. then they sample it or they create a piece and then yeah. they sample it. Yeah. I mean, they're musicians and yeah. they're, they're singers. That's what, what, what instruments are involved. Are they the regular um, instruments that everybody's doing? Guitars, pianos. They could be. I honestly don't know because okay. I don't know how a lot of them work. Okay. But, but you know, there's like, um. If you see Skrillex, what are they doing <clears throat> on stage? It's, it's one of those consoles. Okay. You don't, you don't see any instruments. Okay. But sometimes you see, you know, drummers or something like that. But, yeah. You know, there's, there's something called Beatport. Okay. And you go online and you can buy beats. <clears throat> and that's their version of sampling. <clears throat> Do you need this? Sorry about that. A little water? It'll yeah. be good. So. And, um. And it's for people that don't make their own samples. Okay. That's, that's great that, um, I, I like the idea that, that, cause it, it, it seems like the kind of music that could be done with the technology. It's one of these things that technology created making it more accessible. 
kind yeah. of thing. Like you don't have to have uh, a degree in music. You can just, it's, it's, it's like the people who taught themselves how to play the guitar and taught themselves how to play the trumpet. But it is still an instrument and it is yeah. still, <clears throat> I mean, you have to learn how to play that console. Right. It has many different variations of sound. Mm-hmm. And it's like any other instrument that you have to learn how to play. Yeah, it's but def- the palette is endless because of the range. But yeah, because of the opportunities for sound. Okay, La- you know there there are strata and layers of sound that co- that make up the composition, and you can hear them all if if you're if, if you're you, that kind of listener, right? If you if you if you can hear it, mm-hmm. and and and. And I'm sure you can learn to hear it just because it's, you just have to go in with more of an open mind. Well, if you're motivated. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. And, um, what drew, I mean, did you love it immediately? Yeah. It just makes me happy. Just resonated and you're yeah. like, I'm in. And I needed a defibrillator at the time <laughs> I was having a heart attack. Clear. Yeah. Um, I just, it makes me happy. I don't know why. Yeah. It's, it's so good. I like it. And uh, here's what I usually ask people. I'd say we can talk more about dubstep. We can talk more. Oh, more. That's fine. I, I think we've exhausted it. I think. Oh, oh, I think not. There are many layers. <laughs> we'll have you back. And uh, so, but I usually ask people what they're reading. And you were listed, uh, listed uh, that Nora Ephron book. Well, I read, this is an interesting progression. I read, uh, I feel bad about my neck. Yeah. And <clears throat> I feel had... bad that she feels bad about her neck. Yeah. <laughs> but she read, she, she was, had this part where she was talking about a book. And she says, you know that book that's so good that everything you're doing in your life kind of interferes with your ability to read that book. And, you know, all the tasks that you have to do, you just can't wait to get back to it. And yeah. she said, there was a book that I was reading and I was directing a movie at the time. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was get back to that book. And the book was called The Woman in White. This book was written in 1850, and it was by an author named... There you go. What is it? Uh, Wilkie Collins. Okay. Who was the contemporary of Charles Dickens. They used to tour together as actors. Okay. And now I didn't know Charles Dickens worked as an actor. Right. Okay. That sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know anything about it, of course. Yeah, but the significance of this book was it was the first... Murder mystery. The up woman in, in white is the yeah, first murder mystery? Up until then, there was no such thing as that genre. Any kind of like skullduggery was yeah. confined to Shakespeare and the royalty. Okay. You know, that kind of thing. But it was yeah. never within the middle class. Oh. And there was never really any kind of story that was a mystery. Right, right. Why, why, would, why would the lower classes murder each other except for, for money? And and that's uh, exactly what this was. Oh, that's well, yeah. And also, there's a female protagonist. You know, a woman who tried to read it. Have you tried to read it? I read it. It was riveting. Really? Yeah, it's a great book, and it's been in print for 140 years. It has never gone out of print, and I've never heard of it. Yeah, neither have I. (laughs) uh, I have a stack of books as tall as this table that I'm supposed to read, but that might have just leaped to the. I'm telling you. Just, and you I, know, because I love a mystery. Yeah, and there like are some mystery. books that are, you know, they have archaic language and it's hard right. to get through. Not this one. Oh, really? Yeah. I was just talking about this. Is how you you like it? You like it? Sort of a 
Because if the prose is super dense yeah. and well-written, sometimes it's I can't get through it, yeah, even yeah. though I know that it's beautifully written and that I'm uh, clearly becoming smarter as I uh, oh, plow yes. my way through it. Yes, you are. <laughs> Not going to make it. Yeah, but someone recommended it. I was in a book group, but I yeah. had to quit for my improv group, and um, they recommended a George Eliot book. Okay. And the language was so... Um, inaccessible to me that I just, I had to put it down. And that was written around the same time. Okay. Okay. I, just I, don't, couldn't I don't know do him it. either. It's actually a woman. Oh, George Eliot? Yeah. She had a pen name because oh, good for she couldn't her. get published. Well, my, of course not. Why, why would she? It's, uh, that is amazing. But also Michael Chabon is a wonderful writer. He's, uh, did he write, uh, Cavalier and Clay? He wrote Cavalier and Clay. It's the only one I've read. Uh, you should read, read the, pol- uh, Yiddish, Yiddish, the Yiddish Policeman's Union. I tried. I don't know uh, enough Yiddish. I know. Well, I don't either. Right. I don't know Yiddish. Are you kidding me? I'm a I California don't... Jew. We're Presbyterians. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, it is so fascinating. Well, his, that, that Cavalier and Clay was fascinating. Yeah. It was, it has this, these layers of sadness. Oh, yeah. That are just like, Wait, is anybody really that sad? Please don't be that oh, sad. Oh, what a beautiful thing uh, to say about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so, it's because, I mean, the thing is, is everybody keeps going, mm-hmm. you know, and there is joy and there is resolution and there are things happening and everything. But that, that's, that, that sort of underlying, you're like, oh, cry. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I read Cavalier and Clay and I'll say this. Uh, it was given to me by my husband. He said, it's about the, the, you know, the, essentially the creation of Superman mm-hmm. and, uh, it won a Pulitzer and it's amazing. And so I read it and I finished it and I turned to Andy Ashcraft and I said, it was amazing. Did you, what did you love the most about it? And he goes, Oh, I've never been able to finish it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like, well, the fast oh, one. Totally. Well, I, I had to reread, you know, paragraphs and even pages because it is very dense. It took me, I think, a good seven, eight months to read it, if not longer. I can't even remember. But yeah. It but was, I mean, the whole thing of the golem yeah. was built to fight, you know, the weaker man's battles. Yeah. It was a monster. And that's exactly what kind of what the premise of Superman was, the Schuster's. Yeah. That really was kind of the premise of Superman. Yeah. So he, he really, you know, he used that to a brilliant, beautiful. Yeah. It's so great uh, to take that and turn that to a literary, um, you yeah. know, and parable. It's a parable that we've taken out. Now we've, <laughs> we've given him pants. Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> we've shown it up bright and nice. It's a, we shine that penny right up. It's pretty yeah. sweet. But the policeman's, uh, the Yiddish, union, the Yiddish policeman, first of all, the idea that there was a, an enclave, an area in America where Yiddish was the only language spoken is fascinating. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't. It was yeah. like in the Alaskan panhandle. Oh my God. What? You know, it was the, in the Alaskan panhandle. That's where it's set. Yeah. That's, this is how yeah, far this, I did not get into this. This was, book. this was an area. Th- these were people who were escaping the Holocaust. Okay. State of Israel hadn't quite been formed yet. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this was an enclave where these people were, were left. Were, okay. Were given. And this was right when it was being taken over. By Alaska, so they they knew their days were numbered right. in terms of their lifestyle. Okay, and they didn't know English. I mean, they were fucked. That's how yeah. they felt. Yeah, and you know, the main character is the detective, and there's a murder in his building, 
and it's a chess prodigy. He's the victim. Okay. Okay. And I mean, it's, there's, you learn that there's like a Hasidic Jew mafia and right. the way that they communicate during the uh, Shabbat is through these strings that run through their town. What? Because they can't do a yeah. telephone. It, it's just, Intense. It's so fascinating. Intense is the perfect word for that guy. It's totally intense. The guy, the guy writes super intense. Yeah, totally intense. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Maybe I try that one again too, but I'm definitely doing the woman in white. Yeah. Definitely. And, um, yeah. And Jennifer Egan. Jennifer Egan. You could read The she? Keep. The Keep. Yeah. She's, she's kick ass. Okay. She's a kick ass writer. And is it scary? It is scary, but you know, it's the, it's, it's cool. She's Uh, great. Fantastic. Lori Newman, it has been an hour. It has? Yeah. It's been an amazing hour. Wow. It has. It's been fun. Thank you, Jackie Cash. And I'm such a, such a huge fan. Well, I am a huge fan of yours. So this is the Mutual Admiration Society, uh, here in Van Nuys at the Dork Forest. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for axing me. (laughs) <laughs> and you guys out there, you know the rules. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?